Hey, Pasa Mufasa, welcome to the Mycopreneur Podcast. This is a podcast about people solving problems with mushrooms. I'm your host, Dennis Walker. Let's get down to business. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, Sam from the Myco Grow. It's an absolute pleasure to host you on the Mycopreneur Podcast. How are things in the Midwest United States today? Hey, Dennis. First and foremost, I really want to thank you for reaching out and bringing me on. I'm super stoked. Uh, It's cold out here, but I think we're going to spice things up today. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And right off the bat, I got to hear the origin story of the Myco Grow. You know, there's a thousand Myco accounts out there to varying degrees of success. Some people just getting started, some people who have a great reputation, but everybody's got to start somewhere, Sam. So where did the Myco Grow start? Short story is I was at the height of my career and I started becoming unraveled. Uh, I started my journey about seven years ago, right after I tried to take my life. From a professional end, I, you know, I was a practicing doctor. Um, I had rehabbed a lot of, you know, high-performance athletes, and I was doing things with vets, like helping amputees, like walk again and use their arms, your know, prosthetics again to regain function. You know, and you know, I was rising in my career. I'm young. I'm married. I had a lot of things to be happy about. I was so miserable. I was, you know, everybody who looked at me on paper was like, "Man, I, I envy you." But I was hurting inside, and and it led me to the point where I wanted to get off the ride of life, and uh, try to kill myself with my psych medicine. It wasn't long after that, you know, I had I had tripped before, you know, since I was 16. But it had been a gap in time since I touched psychedelics or any sacred medicine so uh, something in my heart was like dude you need to just try like and there was already this buzz about hey you know psychedelics and and are really helping people with depression and ptsd and suicidal ideations so i'm like i gotta check it out i couldn't find any so then i started you know looking into how to grow it myself and you know and, and at the time um just you know five six years ago the the information on how to do it was really it was pre- predominantly willie Myco, you know and so um not a knock towards him he the way he delivered his information was just hard for me to understand um so but it took a while and then once you know once i was able to you know grow it you know feel the the joy of growing it and that was therapeutic in itself to the point where i could finally trip it was weird man it was like the process of growing was like my mr miyagi you know where it was teaching me these little hard skills patience being brave and 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 going for it trying something new and it it geared me to you know be confident enough to you know go on my journey and you know it wasn't like my problems went away after I finished tripping. It was like I was strong enough. I was brave enough to face my problems again. You know, I, I, the first thing I said after my my hero, first heroic dose trip was I, f- I feel like myself again. I'm me again. And, and I hear that a lot with other people. So, you know, I thought about me who had everything going for him and I wanted to kill myself. You know, and then and I really was lost. How many people are like me feeling that way right now who are embarrassed to talk about it, 
um, who don't even know what their options are besides just talking to a professional and, and going on psychiatric medicine. So, you know, I made a point of starting to microgrow first as sharing my experience as someone who was um, exploring the psychedelic space. Um, second, to share what I've learned. And because of my background as an educator, um, I just know there are different modes of expression that, that will ring true for different people. Some people like words, some people like voice, and some people just need to see it, and other people need hands-on. So I try to cater um, my Instagram, at least, the content to helping these folks out. And then, before you know it, I met my wife on there. You know, we were friends for a while, both helping each other through this journey. And uh, before you know it, we got together. Yeah, started dating, got married, built this business together, and uh, yeah, so just still on the path of just helping others and, and just find their way out of the darkness. Yeah, you know, there's so many people right now who are grappling with that. I think a lot of folks can empathize with that and with knowing that something's wrong, but not necessarily knowing how to fix it. And I think that's where the education component comes in. And to address that, I think it's really cool that we have someone with a medical professional background on the podcast. So let's take advantage of that. And so I'd like to talk about the inaccessibility of science relatively so, right? Like for the average person, myself included, I have a degree in media studies and I read some of these white papers and peer reviewed journals and I'm lost, I feel dumb. I'd love to hear from your perspective. What are some of the concerns about the gatekeeping of science and the institution of the medical industrial complex as it relates to psilocybin mushrooms and to psychedelic assisted therapies? So, you know, right now we're fighting a two front war. You know, we're sitting in the middle where you have newbies coming in who've, who've changed their lives with psychedelics. And Tim Leary kind of talks about this. When, when someone finds something like this and it happened with cannabis too, you're almost, you're an evangelist for that product. It's the best. It's the best. You know, it's going to change your life. You'll thank yourself for even doing it. You know, ignoring the fact that it could break somebody, you know, that might be the dose that like sends them in a downward spiral. Like, for example, what people don't know, like the Papa Roach song, right? Last Resort. That was about the lead singer and his friend going on a trip together, like taking three grams of mushrooms uh, in their teenage years. And that experience messed his friend's life up for the next 20 years. That's what that song was about. And so... As much as there's a lot of fanfare, I still see it as medicine. So, you know, we, we still have to talk about the not so fun sides of things like, you know, what happens if you are too dependent on it? What happens if you're only dependent on that, but you're not doing the other things like only putting on deodorant, but not taking a shower and expecting to smell good, you know? So, so there's that clinical piece that's missing from some of these amateur mycologists and, and new people. And unfortunately, I heard something really interesting in our community right now. Sacred medicine used to be passed down from our elders, you know, and because of how the world turned, um, our elders had to be more conservative to protect us. And so we've lost this, this skill set, this knowledge, this, this um, way of passing things down to the next generation. So now you've had younger folks taking up the mantle. Um, and, and something, you know, we've talked about, um, Maria Sabina off mic, but you know, something she said, like, not, you can be born, I can pass down my eyes, my skin color, my hair, you know, but I, you, what something you cannot inherit is wisdom. 
He's like, she even says, my daughters are not wise women. They were not born with that gift. So how many of us are out there who have tripped, think they have wisdom, but they're actually leading people astray? Um, but, you know, and it's all mean, you know, and they all mean well. So that's one part. The second part is um, the medical side of it, the stigmas that we have already. It's a drug. It's scheduled for a reason. The government has a schedule for a reason. There's no medical use, so don't even look at it. And I remember my psychiatrist at the time was like, dude, don't do it, man. You'll, you'll fuck up your life. Like, don't, don't do it. And so what's interesting now over the last five years because of um, folks like amateur mycologists, anecdotal evidence coming out, the climate of addiction and, and, and anxiety and PTSD, all this stuff that's coming up right now. Um, is pushing medical professionals to take a second look at it. So that same doctor, right, We, uh, one of my friends still sees him. And my friend got to the point with his antidepressants where he's like, I, I, I want to kill myself again. And this man was the second person that reached out to me after I tried to take my own life, shook my hand. And he was that, that, um, that friend that I needed in the moment. So ever since I've been trying to pay him back. So he went... And he started, you know, taking psychedelics and, you know, it was maybe a week later, he's like, Sam, I'm completely off my antidepressants, no withdrawals. I've felt the best I've ever felt in years. Like I still have problems I need to deal with and I'm working with these people to deal with it. But man, I understand what you're saying now when you say like you feel like you're yourself. So he went back and talked to that same doctor and he was like, oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. Well, I'm so proud of you. So just to hear this man change his tune from being so close to it to being open and bracing of it uh, is, is a huge step forward because I think the more folks who can be open about, you know, how they're using this medicine, um, it, it could be eye opening for for doctors. You know, and it would hopefully humble some of them. Sure, I think there's a component that gets missed a lot when we're evangelizing for psychedelics and specifically psilocybin mushrooms, and that's psychedelic assisted therapy, psilocybin mushroom assisted therapy. And I think that therapy component gets missed a lot when, because sure, like I had an extraordinary induction into the world of magic mushrooms, but I also had a very stable home life, a very privileged upbringing. I had all of these things going right. And I learned that lesson the hard way too when I got to school in San Francisco and I wanted to share this good news and you're tripping with someone and it fucks them up. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're not, it's not all unicorns and rainbows and love of life. Like you're going through some real shit right now. And it took me a long time to realize like there are an infinite number of different issues that people are bringing into this with them that we may not be privy to and maybe they're not even going to share with us. And that requires a broader component of preparation, of integration. Of course, these are all words that I feel like are pretty new in the psychedelic scene, if you will. Like if you go back a decade, I had never heard the word integration once. And now there's a focus on it. That's awesome. But I think I just wanted to make a note of how important it's it's it seems now to me that we talk about psychedelic assisted therapy and not just like you take this magic bullet and everything goes away and life's great. And I think that that's very important that people, we talk about it. So I'd love to hear about 
your first psilocybin mushroom trip? Was it something you mentioned as a teenager you came into? Did you take it, you know, did you think, hey, this is a real eye-opening experience? Or was it more, oh, this is fun. And then you came back to it later, you know, to get to the point of the micro-grow. It sounds like it wasn't something that you took and you had this experience and then, you know, you rewrote the tune of your whole life immediately. It's something that maybe took time for you to appreciate the full spectrum and the importance of what this work means and where you are now. So just love to hear about that entry point for you into the world of mushrooms. So one of the most beneficial things, lucky things that ever happened to me was uh, a friend in high school was selling mushrooms. His brother grew it in Florida, was hooking him up so he could build up a college fund and go to school. And so he would hook us up. And man, I, you know, I, I come from a very conservative first generation immigrant family, so we don't even drink, you know, or anything like that. And um, for him, to, I, but I really trust this guy. And what he said to me was, hey, man, when I take this stuff, he's like, you know how you have computer programs that will defrag your your memory in your computer. They'll clean up the files or reorganize everything so that your computer can optimize at the highest function. So, yeah, man, that's what this is going to do for your brain. He, and he and then he'll go into a litany of stories. He's like, you know, you know how shy I am. He, I'll trip and I'll lay there in bed and I'll listen to music and I'll, I'll analyze these situations where like, hey, man, I should speak up more. Uh, I have a lot to say and people listen to me. I shouldn't be shy. And so he did. And so what we accidentally were fig- figuring out was just how this stuff could change our lives. So I never went into it with a bad um, preconnotation like it could mess me up I just was told possibilities but you know you're right in terms of I didn't really understand what it was doing for me I kept dabbling in it as as years went on and even um, you know my friend and I made a ritual of going to a Grateful Dead festival every year and you know it was a time where we could connect as brothers we would trip together and and enjoy music the crowd there were were amazing super friendly so for he and i it was always a yearly reset that we did together and then the festival went away and that was when you know my life started going into a downward spiral and i started putting two and two together like oh my goodness what I thought was I was doing as far as like having a good time and screwing around, I was doing therapy. I was releasing all the baggage that I accumulated during the year. And it's not just like my own baggage, it's taking on other people's, you know. So as a doctor, the first thing you learn is asking someone what their chief complaint is. My day is listening to everybody's complaints and and how how to not let it bother me and push through and problem solve through it, you know. So, you know, I didn't realize how therapeutic that was as far as a clinician and how that really enhanced my ability to treat a patient. When I lost it, I was maybe half half of what I was capable of as far as a doctor. One of the stories I like to share with people, I don't know if I've ever told it on the podcast, but when I first got into psilocybin mushrooms, I saw the immediate benefit of it. And it just was like everything conspired to elevate me at that particular moment. And I I always say it blew the roof off my imagination. Like I took them at this very critical juncture of my life when I was getting ready to go off to college. And I had already been fortunate to travel and had been around the world. And it was just this perfect confluence 
But I took a macro dose, maybe my third time taking psilocybin mushrooms. And I had read Food of the Gods by Terrence McKenna. I had poured through trip reports on Arrowhead. I kind of came at it from this, from these optics of knowing that this was something potentially profound that could alter the course of my life. And it did. I had an extraordinary visual experience with hieroglyphics streaming down the walls. I couldn't make full sense of it, but I knew at that moment that this was a very important experience in my life and that I needed to pursue it and to learn more about it. And it launched me on this path of inquiry. Well, the next day when I went back to high school, the only person that took my experience seriously ended up getting his PhD from Harvard and is like running a lab. And literally everybody else was like, oh, you were tripping, bro. Oh my God, this bro's tripping. And I always just thought that was really meaningful that like this one person who's like very, you know, academically inclined and serious and like that kind of first generation immigrant, he took it seriously and he's still interested in psychedelics and how they impact the brain. So, you know, like you said, you had that one friend. It's awesome to have that one friend who just is there for you and is there to listen and takes it seriously so that you know it's not just this you know experience that you have to take on on your own but that there are people who are there for you to help you integrate it and to help you talk about it and since you mentioned a few few bits already about music we got to go into that because I'm a music lover I'm passionate about it. I've been writing and recording and playing in bands for a decade and there is a quote that is from Drake's producer 40 that I really like this quote and he talks about when you first start to produce music and you get into this craft, don't buy all the fancy tools, don't buy all the equipment, all of the promoters and everyone are gonna think you need this, they're gonna make you think you need this plugin and that piece of equipment, etc. cetera. He, he said, learn how to use an EQ. Learn about what the equalization process and producing music is and how to balance frequency components in an audio signal. That's his, guiding principle, first principle. Learn that before you spend a ton of money on the other shit. And I wanna draw a parallel from that and talk about mycology because there's an impetus to buy fancy equipment, to buy the fruiting tent, to buy the flow hood, to buy this and that and the other. And when you started, you were just cultivating in the bedroom for a few years. And you know, a lot of our friends and listeners are still at that point where they don't necessarily have the budget to buy major professional lab equipment, nor do I think they need it. So I just love to draw a parallel in here from you. If you had to distill mycology and mushroom cultivation down to basic principles and to where to allocate your focus and your resources here and now, what would that be? What, what should an aspiring cultivator or someone with a small side hustle involving mushrooms, what should they be focusing their attention on first and foremost? A great saying that we've always, we've always told people is mycology teaches patience in the cultivator. That's the first and foremost, because everybody, you know, especially what's out there now, everybody wants the fastest. They want it now. And and also there's this illusion with um, equipment acquisition syndrome, I call it, that it's going to get them there faster. There, there are lessons in each of these. You know, first and foremost, you got to be patient. Secondly, you got to be clean and you got to be purposeful in what you're doing. For example, like, you know, I've used an SAB and I talk about this probably five times out of the week with different people. I lived in that SAB. I still own that SAB seven years later. 
where, you know, there are certain works I'll do in it. And there's no shame in doing that. In fact, the first time I ever got a flow hood, I had so many problems with it. I was dealing with contamination outbreaks. So this fantasy that this this piece of equipment was going to take me to the next level actually was a stumbling block for me. And then the last point is just keeping it simple. You're going to see a lot of folks with a lot of fancy equipments. And some of it is, is a lot of smoke and mirrors. A lot of it is, uh, is gimmicks and trying to just make a sale. Um, for us, it's like, hey, if it's simple and it gets you from A to B successfully, that's, that's really all you need. And sometimes we get lost in um, everybody trying to make their mark and get their name in the newspaper with all these fancy, fancy things and flexing everything that, you know, it confuses a lot of folks. So I say, just keep it simple, be patient, be purposeful, you know, and listen to one person. That's, you know, just one source of information. Once you get that skill down from that one person, you can go into other music theories. You can start playing with different chords, different theories, different rhythms, and idiosyncrasies within music to get the feel that you want. Yeah, well, everybody has such a different approach to it, and I know that's overwhelming for a lot of people who are just getting started, is when you're going through these different forums, also, the language is not particularly beginner friendly. There's a lot of shop talk that people use. Like, I didn't understand what a tech was. And like, you know, you go on these Reddit forums and I'm sure somebody's getting a lot of value out of them, but it can be overwhelming. So what really helped me is just being in a lab with someone and just kind of, and you know, the cleanliness factor, as you mentioned, like I know that you run the air purifier and turn off the HVAC and all that. And like, that's something I'm still learning how to do. And you talk, we had Mike Tyson, the lion's mane cultivator on and like he'll shower, you know, before and after. And just like, you know, the cleanliness factor, there, there's just a lot of ways to do it. But I totally want to see much like maker spaces. I want to see Myco spaces pop up in communities. I think a few more are because there's no substitute for that, like one-on-one -on -one relationship, that hands-on experience. And what I found is a lot of cultivators are very willing to share a lot of their technique and their time if you approach them from the right optics, from the right angle. And that's awesome. So I just want to put that out there for anybody listening, like Myco spaces, let's open them in our communities because there can be so much tangible benefit and social benefit that comes from establishing spaces like this. And we've got one downstairs where I am right now. Yeah, you know, and I would say there are some cultivators who treat mycology like Kung Fu, like martial arts, you know, where it's like, no, this is our thing. We got to we got to protect this and you have to be worthy of of our knowledge and our expertise where i'm from a friend just sent out they're doing a, a mycology course locally for their community center so you're seeing these pop up we're working with a local hydroponic store to to get local you know classes going and and just kind of I think that's just the way to break the stigma, man. The more people that, that adopt it, the more people that can see, hey, this isn't this weird thing that like I do and uh, I'm not going to die if I try to do it and I don't need to bring poop into my house to do it, you know, and I find the education part with anything, whether we're talking about the therapeutic side of psychedelics, the, um, you know, the cultivation side, I think education you know, it really builds that confidence and then that confidence really builds that confidence. So 100% and along those lines, 
Are there any myths in the Myco community that you'd like to dispel? You know, one obvious one that I think there's some scrutiny being devoted to right now is caps versus stems has been one forever. And you know, when I first got into it, people were like, oh, the caps, man, like don't even worry about the stems. Make sure the mushrooms have big caps. Another one that I believe we've arrived at an irrefutable basis on this one is the mycelium versus fruiting body. And pretty much everyone I know who's not trying to promote a major sales agenda is saying that fruiting bodies, uh, it's not even a debate, that fruiting bodies have the most active compounds, etc. So I'd just love to know, is there anything that has come up on your radar that's an obvious myth that you want to dispel? Well, I mean, that that is probably what you brought up last is the most glaring one i literally just talked to a friend about it he was like hey i'm looking at lines mane on amazon and you know i see these two products and i'm really between what should i decide i'm like you should decide on neither of them and just buy from us and here's why and you know and this is a failure of our abilities to teach the general public how to read an ingredient list and how to analyze like dietetics through that you know that label on the back you know and then on top of that they're people are taking advantage of non-cultivators because if i told you hey man here's a celery capsule celery in a pill but don't worry i'm gonna throw some dirt and some roots in there it's gonna be just as good man it's gonna be just as good as so if i said that to you you're like no man i just want straight i don't want the dirt i don't want the roots i just want the celery and i wish people um would be more knowledgeable and then we can take that job and, and and just disseminate that information to reverse that misinformation and educate people. Hey, you know, yes, you're getting this product, but it's watered down. Yes, they're telling you to take two capsules, probably because it's half of as effective as it needs to be. So, you know, it's it's really it's, and it's unfortunate because some of the, the company owners are also leaders in, in the industry. You know, I one of them being is someone I looked up to for a long time that got, you know, that really pushed me into, you know, mycology. So, you know, it's one of those like, you know, never meet your heroes type of deal. It was very disappointing, but you know, it's, it's energy to do better, you know? Sure. I'm a big proponent of know your cultivator or be your own cultivator. I mean, if you're able to support a local business or somebody you build a relationship with, I think that's infinitely better than buying some, you know, you go to Whole Foods and there's 50 different functional mushroom products and um, I know your cultivator or become your own cultivator. I'm a big proponent of that. And I want to dive into psilocybin potency testing because that's also a hot button subject right now. There's only a few people who are doing it. Of course, Hyphae Labs, shout out Reggie and Oakland Hyphae are doing it and they've just rolled out mobile testing kits. There's a handful of other people who are doing it. I know there's a lab in France, I think Miraculix and a couple of other ones. But there, there's an ongoing discussion about the relevance and the importance of testing for potency. And one of the perspectives I've heard from a trusted professional cultivator is that people from the cannabis world are coming into this. And in cannabis, it got to a point where people just want to know how fucked up they can get per gram. And there's a concern that maybe testing is sending that same message where it's about if we buy this product, we want to be able to show that it has X amount of psilocybin per gram. And is that sending the wrong message? Because everybody's different. Like if I take three grams of psilocybin mushrooms, I might have a completely different experience than somebody who takes seven grams of mushrooms. And it's just so variable. So I just, I, I do think that the testing is very important for functional mushrooms and potentially important for psilocybin mushrooms. 
because you want to know what's in the product for sure. But I just love to get your take on where that stands. Is that something you think is important that all of the different products that are being rolled out and all the different cultivators are able to give you a QR code that says exactly what degree of psilocybin per gram is in the mushroom? And, and it, what, what, are your, what is your take on that? You know, I, I am very conflicted about it because where I don't see it as much as influencing the customer base as much as cultivators and cultivators using it as a vehicle to say, look at me, I got the strongest out there. Look at me, I created this. And they're using it as a marketing tool to build their business. Nothing wrong with that. I, I totally get it. But yeah, man, something that really stuck with me about Maria Sabina that she said was that like when I started offering this medication, this medicine, this sacred medicine, the children stopped speaking to me more. You know, and by children, she meant the mushrooms. It, it stopped talking to her. I, lo I lost its luster, lost its shine. You know, people were going in, looking at it a different, like at the wrong way. You know, because if I like, we already have pharma that will push medicine potency, you know, titration rates as fast as possible. You want it now, you want to feel good now, they'll make it happen. And they'll make it as strong as you want to make it, you know. And, you know, my my problem is that when when we start blurring the lines of how strong we can make it and, and forgetting why we're, you know, how we're coming at this, which is to heal people. Not everybody wants a, you know, a Kalindi 30 gram dose where you're going to shit your pants before you make it to the bedroom. A lot of people just want to feel better. And a lot of people want to know that they're not wasting their time. And a lot of people want to know what they're getting is legitimate. So I think as far as like, you know, testing, you know, potency and in, in pr products like tinctures, really helpful. Because I, you know, I don't want it to become like a fruiting body versus mycelial mass versus like whole oats, colonized oats, you know, the people should know just like anything else that they're getting, you know, over the counter, they know what's in it and it's safe for them to take. Cause that's what it really boils down to. If it's all about safety, great. But if it's about getting your name in the newspaper, pushing the envelope, how potent you can make it. I, you know, then I'm like, dude, now we're like setting ourselves up where we can make the stigma worse, where people can get hurt. You know, it could mess someone up and especially if they got something super strong and they don't know what they're doing and they're a kid um, or or just an adult who is not in a strong place, you know, because I've heard I've heard that, too, where someone took way too strong. And and I guess there's this um, mindset like more is better and it's not. You know, because if you think that mushrooms are going to solve your problems, you completely miss the boat. You know, shamans don't just give you medicine and then leave you alone. There's this whole ritual behind it. You know, they're setting the tone. Uh, you know, in, in Maria's chants and other shamans, they'll, they'll ask for things. You know, they'll set your heart, they'll set the tone, set the pace so that when you come out of it, your heart is lighter, your mind is lighter, and you're more free. You know, and I've taken the strongest and I've taken the weakest. And for me, it's like the strong stuff is great and I got to hallucinate. But as far as like meaningful extraction, I didn't like I even uh, one of my former co-workers, he went first trip ever scared of mushrooms. 
heroic dose. We just talked about it last week. He can't even process it. He doesn't even know what the hell happened to him. He's like, dude, I was in and out. Like, all this stuff happened. Like, I was reliving traumas and coping with traumas. But then I would forget because it was so intense. So that's that's the problem because, you know, all right, cannabis is now what they're doing is creating a new problem, hyperemesis, you know, um, from chronic cannabis use, especially with high concentrations. So, like, we went from taking something that was safe and because of ego we made it too strong, and now we're creating a problem for the people that we were supposed to help in the first place. And those same people were supposed to help us get the news out. And now we're making them sick, and it's making our case harder to prove. Yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. I've recently become aware of these massive fruits that people are growing with Melmax. As I, Melmac mushrooms are one of the fruits that I understand can be grown very large. And I heard about an 800 gram mushroom that a friend of a friend grew recently, which is ridiculous. First of all, amazing, props to them. But also it kind of gets into that territory of what are we actually cultivating for? And what kind of messages are we trying to broadcast? Because I do think there are a lot of companies and individuals who are positioned to take advantage of this way of thinking and to promote this agenda of more is better, bigger is better, stronger is better. And for a lot of people who really need help, they need therapy, they need medicine that's working. Great example, our population of veterans who are driving a lot of the research and even the most conservative factions of the United States military are starting to investigate and invest and psilocybin and psychedelic assisted therapies because nothing else works. Opiates and alcohol addiction don't work. It's extremely clear. And as more people are starting to approach this, I just, I personally wanna be, I want it to be approached from the optics of maybe just a little bit is gonna do it for you. Maybe we don't need you to go on that Kalindi EE dose. And I also advocate for those for people, people who are ready. Cause another angle I wanna touch on real quick is for me, it's not always about healing. I love exploration too. And it's almost like there's a stigma attached to recreational or exploratory use of some of these substances. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, nuanced debate to be had about that. But I think, you know, for every individual, it's going to be different. So it becomes difficult when you start to standardize and systematize and approach it from this kind of industrial scale and treating it like a commodity and treating it like a business, which is kind of the direction I feel like we're heading in. And just to build off of that real quick, I, speaking of businesses, yes, this is called Mycopreneur Podcast. So we're very interested in helping entrepreneurs build mushroom businesses and scale their businesses there's a lot of people who are at this point where they're, they're a home cultivator, it's a side hustle. They're interested in scaling. They're interested in getting to the next level. And you were that home cultivator for years. I saw a picture of your setup and it looks very similar to what I'm still using right now. And I'm just curious, are there any obstacles that you can think of that you faced when you were that smaller scale cultivator trying to get to the next level? Can you describe some of those obstacles and how did you overcome them? Well, you know, the, the biggest obstacle was always myself, you know, bottlenecks. And, and something that I will talk about is a fourth grade book report, man. So, like, I had this fourth fourth incidence in fourth grade where I was supposed to do a book report. Like, my parents don't speak English, and I, I, I was dyslexic and undiagnosed and didn't know. So it was a very traumatic experience for me. Um, and then I did some trauma work. No mushrooms. I just did some trauma work with a friend. And I was able to remove that block. Dude, ever since then, I took off. Like, 
you know, and so the first thing was just getting myself out of my own way, you know, um, and then secondly was just being strategic and what my focus was going to be. I, you know, people who've known me throughout my entire social media presence know that I didn't really start selling grains and substrate until very, very recently. And that's only because I didn't have the space for it. If I can't stand behind a product, I'm not going to put it out there. You know, so until I could handle it, and and that was part of also experimenting what was going to be the best. You know, uh, there are so many varieties out there. We talk about so many different cultivation techniques. Like, what is gonna, you know, a, what can we produce, you know, as quickly as cheaply as possible, but also without losing that high quality product. Um, and so it was constantly just strategizing what our focus was going to be i was comfortable with providing spores and prints for the longest time um, and then slowly started to expand and you know every time everybody thinks that like success is this linear thing right and i'm sh and you i'm sure haven't talked to so many micropreneurs like it's just setback after setback like last week we literally had a freaking fire at like three in the morning because one of our sterilizers dried out and like sub was catching on fire. So like, you know, I got my wife and my kid upstairs and we're like half naked and I'm trying to put out this damn fire. It's zero degrees outside. So it's like, what's going to happen if I got to run out? And so there are constantly, constantly these things that come up and, you know, the gift of mushrooms and even that, that trauma work lets me be confident enough to, okay, that sucks. <laughs> Let's clean up the mess and figure out how we can move forward from this and learn from this. Um, and then secondly, you know, I think you do a great job of this, Dennis, is networking, man. Who can help me? There are a lot of people out there. There are, there are a lot of people that, are, that, that keep that information close to their chest, but there are a lot of people out there that are open to sharing and helping. You know, so we, we connect with a lot of um, uh, my, mycologists, amateur mycologists, people who are rising up in the community, you know, how do we help each other? For not just the logistics of like, how do we scale, you know, mushroom production? What's going to give us like, you know, the fastest product output? You know, things like website optimization, taxes, um, hiring benefits and, and things like that. And then how, you know, as someone who loves the hero's journey, like once you find the gold, like how are you going to disseminate and share with the people, you know? Um, so it's, it's always been that man. And it, it was like this to anybody who's looking to start this business, get into this. It gets hard, man. It's, it's hard. It's, it's grueling. There are many th three in the morning nights that I've had to deal with, but what, what helps me embrace the suck is knowing that I'm doing this, me staying up three in the morning could be the difference of someone getting their life back. It's that meaningful to me. And that's, that's kind of my mantra that keeps me going. It was the same thing. Anytime in, in practicing medicine, it, when I shifted my focus to earning money about the numbers, the performance, the visits, the missed visits and recapturing visits and, you know, and billing and all this stuff, life sucked. It was not fun looking at people as a dollar bill. So for me, you know, it's just remember to have fun. Remember what your purpose is and what your creed is, your mission statement, because that is going to really keep you going, especially when things get tough. 
And just a quick aside to pull from that comment about what do you do if you have this hero's journey and you can't make sense of it? There's a great Terence McKenna quote where he talks about, you're not trying to bring up whales from the depths. Like your goal here is to go into these experiences in these states and to bring back a fish or, you know, bring something back to the surface that you can actually share with your community. And I see it as like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it fall, right? Like if you have this amazing 30 gram experience or whatever, and you can't actually bring that back to benefit your community and your family, et cetera, like what was the point of that? So that's kind of the optics I like to approach it from. It's like, what what is a bite-sized chunk that we can get and we can digest? And to me, that's a more meaningful experience. And you know, it goes for both tripping and for also running your business. Like you, you can have these pie in the sky ideals, but like how do they actually square with the day-to-day reality that you're living in? And then you have to go back to and that you have to share with other people, etc. So you know, there's a, a quite a bit we've dove into so far, and I, I love that you're a Grateful Dead fan. I'm actually going to try to buy a Grateful Dead shirt after this podcast because I heard that a store near me has a sale, and uh, I'm going to go and see if they still have it. But I am a huge music fan. I collect vinyl. I'm constantly looking for new artists, and you know, I, I scroll through TikTok and try to find artists that I fuck with. But I love to listen to music on psychedelic journeys. Uh, I've been really into Bjork recently. Always, always been a fan of hers, but like really started to dive into the body of work. And let me just say from my perspective, it's fantastic music for a psychedelic experience. Huge fan of the Flaming Lips. Radiohead is my you know, all-time favorite artist and got a lot of stuff like that. I've been listening to Kodak Black recently and like trying to turn up with some new you know, hip hop and kind of more experimental stuff. But what are you into? What are uh, some of the artists that you like to listen to beyond the Grateful Dead? I mean, dude, I'm a I'm a band geek at heart. You know, music saved me from the ghetto, saved me from gang life. My band director gave me my first instrument, let me take it home, and and you know, I it music changed my life. It taught me to be a leader, and I didn't realize that I use music to heal therapeutically. Yeah, you know, like I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar and 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 um, ADHD until much much later in life, but I was able to you know use music as a crutch to kind of help me along and heal mentally so i mean grateful dead is it was some a group that like my buddy got me into you know because i grew up with a lot of like chinese music in the household and things like that you know i mean i i really love like the underground like right now for me i'm really into like the underground atlanta like rap scene and you know because for me as first generation asian american there weren't a lot of kids that looked like me um, growing up and I didn't really have a lot of role models to look towards so I really I saw black the black community as folks who you know people looked at they look different than most of the people in this land and they figured out how to how to navigate it so I really saw a lot of hip-hop artists as like role models Nas and Nas was a big one you know I love Tupac too and Biggie especially you know growing up in the northeast there's always that east coast rap so those were always big ones I really you know <laughs> I was just thinking today like Foo Fighters uh uh who else? Uh, some of the All American Rejects, Good Charlotte. I'm like, man, this is gonna be classic rock when my kids get older. This is such a bummer. You know, I've been really into like the reggae scene. You know, like Chronics, Popcorn, um, and, uh, Assassin. Like, you know, because I, when I started going to Jamaica more frequently, I started getting introduced to this music, and and it's, what's great is it's it's uplifting. So if you're listening to it on a trip, like. I went and got a tattoo a couple weeks ago and I was listening. I 
I picked a playlist because I didn't want to listen to whatever the guy was listening to, like new pop music. So I always started listening to reggae and some of the new pop reggae that had been coming out. And like I'm in this trip and this guy and they're telling me, you know, keep on fighting. You're gonna be strong. Like it's okay after the burn, you'll survive. Like, you know, so I'm like, oh damn, I'm getting pumped up by my music, you know. So it's I've been really conscientious of of the type of things that I'm putting into my ears and and um, you know what I'm taking away from it. So, you know, positive messages and things like that. Ty, I got to give a shout out to Yellow Man. I don't know if anyone listens to Yellow Man, but legendary reggae artist. And I've been listening to his body of work recently. And even though I come from very different socioeconomic and demographic backgrounds, I feel a kindred connection to him because I've always felt like an outsider in my community. And Yellow Man is a uh, Jamaican-born MC who has albinism. And in Jamaica specifically, and in the late 1970s when he was coming to relevance he was coming into the music industry his whole life he was an outcast because in jamaica at that time it was believed people with albinism are cursed and there's something wrong with them and he went on to become extremely successful and i love that sense of being an outsider and you know being ridiculed that's what i relate to with yellow man as someone who took the, the hand they were dealt didn't give up didn't let the haters get to him and ended up blowing up and becoming a legend and whatnot so i got to give a big shout out. Also a big Peter Tosh fan over here. But yeah, man, I love live music. Big Peter Tosh fan. And I've been to Jamaica once and had an extraordinary time. It was actually the first time I ever saw a psilocybin mushroom. Somebody popped off a little scooter and was like, I'm DeFama. Here's my fruits. And I was so pumped. I was like, whoa, that's a psilocybin mushroom. And my mom was with me and she's like, we don't need that to have a good time. I'm like, mom, give it a chance. I bet it's awesome. I bet it's awesome. But yeah, man, we've... Uh, Hit the sweet spot right here. So the last question I want to dive into before we let you go today, Sam, is what are some things you're working on right now that you can share with us? You know, what's occupying your time and attention and what's next for the Myco Grow? So, you know, I we've talked about it a couple of times. You know, we found that fish, that treasure. It's it's how do we give back? Something that I had I get caught I got caught up in with Instagram was the the flexing and the and trying to just get that clout with flush pictures and the biggest fruit pictures and this and that, and and I actually really strayed away from my purpose, which was to help everybody else that didn't know what the hell they were doing. So really, you know, our our primary focus, my wife has been leading the charge now, is reorienting our our social media to be instructive to help be helpful working on programs for people that are affordable that they can watch and and learn the mycology process and then also helping our community locally by offering classes and then um, where we've we're trying to work closely with the heroic hearts um, organization and and you know some of the products that we're selling you know we made a commitment to send some of those proceeds are going to go towards them and really help our brothers and sisters who are who have fought for us and fought for our freedoms and and now they're come back and and people have kind of forgotten about them and it's our way of saying we haven't forgotten you know we were here for you and then besides the cultivation stuff is sharing more of the therapeutic stuff cognitive behavioral therapy concepts on our social media to really complete the circle you'll see our logo now is a yin yang and half of that is supposed to be mushrooms and the other half is supposed to be therapy and together you know we hope that providing those two resources to people you know even even if it's one life, that's good enough for me, you know? So the more people we can impact, no matter how small or big is, is enough for me. So that's, that's where we're heading now. Awesome. Absolutely love it. Super inspired. 
Really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule today, Sam, to come on the Micropreneur Podcast. You're welcome back anytime, and we'll be closely following your trajectory and all the cool projects you're working on out there. Man, I really thank thank you for what you're doing and having me on. You know, I look forward to seeing the other guests. It's it's great, man. From us being 16 to telling people about these weird visions that we're seeing and experience to, you know, being around a bunch of people who say we get it. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many micropreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the microverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Micopreneur Podcast. That's the handle. Don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Micopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Micopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Micopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Micopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.